Did you have a plan? I think I have a plan. I think I have a plan. All right. This is yeah. uh, the first day of podcast two that we've done in our house. I think we should title it first. We're going to title it. Uh, my working title is If I Ran the Oscars. Welcome mm. to... Welcome to the 1953 Oscars, everyone. Welcome. <laughs> uh, in this podcast, uh, we're trying something different than the last time. The first, the last one we did was all about one actor, and it was good, and it gave us a lot of uh, kind of interesting surprises, but also... If we're going to be honest, a lot of movies that weren't terribly good. That's then right. We soldiered through, and we found something to enjoy. And my computer made a ding, so hopefully it doesn't do that anymore. Uh, and this time we wanted to try something that I had a similar amount of. We didn't have to put in too much work to understand film to make our list of films, but at the same time we could look at with a critical eye pretty easily. And so the easy answer to that one is to go for, well, if you want to watch good movies, just, like, watch the Best Picture Oscars, duh. And I thought, well... That was, that seemed overdone. And too easy. Anyone can watch the Best Picture. And something that I thought about a bit was, what we like about films is not always that they are the best film ever. Because if you only look at the best films ever, it's like having cake for, for every meal of the day. Eventually, it's just like, man, that's a good movie. Right, right. You want to look for the, you know, the specifics. The other other aspects of the storytelling medium. So, long story short, what's happened is I've set up a highly complex, not actually that complex, (laughs) uh, Google spreadsheet with every film that has won an Academy Award, special merit award, not uh, a... Okay, sorry. They're called Merit Awards if they win for, like, Best Picture, Best Director. Special Achievement Awards are if they are given an award, but there were not enough competitors. So we're only looking at the Merit Awards, where there was actual competition. And we're selecting one category at random from each year of the Academy Awards since they started broadcasting the awards on TV, which was the 25th one in 1953. And we're going to watch that movie and look at how good it was in that particular category. Well, a randomly chosen randomly ca- chosen category, and but it did win at least one Oscar. Yeah. So we're looking at it in the category it won for, mm-hmm. but also selecting three other categories at random. Maybe it won in those as well. Maybe not. We'll get to Ben Hur and the eleven awards it won or whatever. I <laughs> uh, and see if this movie could have won. If we think that compared to how good it was in the thing it did win for, Mm -hmm. is it also as good in these other categories? And so this is going to give us a wide range of movies that are all good in some way. We're not going to get any stinkers, realistically. And we're going to get to see a lot of different qualities of filmmaking. I'm really excited to watch the progression of filmmaking, technology, uh, uh, just special effects, music, costumes, cinematography as we progress through time. Yeah. And I think that's going to be a really interesting thing to watch it unfold and try to uh, discount my modern eye when I look at a film from 1952. Yeah. Before I was born. We are going to be speaking a bit about filmmaking technology, even with this film. Sure. 
Uh, this one, if you haven't looked at the title of the episode yet, uh, this film is The Quiet Man, 1952, so it could be in the 53 Awards, mm-hmm. directed by John Ford, who old movie buffs will recognize. Famous guy. And stars John Wayne and Maureen O'Hara are the main two, but also mm-hmm. Barry Fitzgerald, Ward Bond, and Victor McLaughlin. McLaughlin? McLaughlin, L-A-G-L-E-N, would that be Laughlin? Or would they be a G-H in there? Oh boy, I don't know how to pronounce that one. Uh, in any case, uh, the history and making of, of this one is actually pretty important to look at. This is uh, produced by, or uh, the film company, uh, is Republic Pictures. Now, we don't necessarily know a whole lot about them now because they went defunct in 67. Okay. However, they mostly did westerns, serials, and B-films. Okay. Uh, we You don't see a lot of big names out of them, except for the fact that they also kind of made the careers of John Wayne, Gene Autry, and Roy Rogers. Sure. So those are all pretty big deals. Uh, they also uh, did Macbeth in 48. Okay. So that's kind of a thing. Uh, previous listeners of our podcast and previous us mm-hmm. will remember that we've watched a couple Scorsese movies. And usually when we talk about Scorsese, his ones that people remember are the ones where he spent like a decade or more from original concept to getting a film done because it was a project that he felt strongly about. John Ford read a story in, where was it printed? Saturday Evening Post, 1933. Wow. Short story by Maurice Walsh called The Quiet Man. Mm Mm-hmm. He bought the rights to it in 1933 for wow. 10 bucks. <gasps> wow. Wow. Which at the time was a decent amount of money, but still. Right. Uh, the author was paid another 2500 when Republic got, bought the idea. Okay. Uh, but he bought that 20 years before the film was, yeah. pro- was um, distributed. Yep. Republic Pictures, who at the time was under a bit of uh, kerfuffle that, not terribly necessary to this, but the main thing was uh, the owner really had the hots for a actress at the time. Okay. Ended up marrying her and was starring her in lots of things. And in fact, later in 52, John Wayne would stop working with them because he wouldn't work with her anymore because she was so bad. <laughs> this is what happens. However, uh, Ford wanted to make this movie. Republic Pictures would not let him until he filmed a Western first with O'Hara as the leading lady. Because they wanted to pre-recoup the losses that this film would bring them. That's what they were thinking. So they made Rio Grande. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then they went to Ireland and shot this movie. Hmm. Which grossed a lot more than Rio Grande did. Even sure. though Rio Grande is a fairly fine... It's a fine mm-hmm. Western. Right, right. Uh, one of the conditions that Republic placed was that the film had to run under two hours. Now, okay. if we were paying attention, this movie was two hours and nine minutes. Okay. When he screened the film at the two hour, nine minute sure. length, he stopped the film after two hours. No. Those of us who have watched the film know that with nine minutes left in the movie is right when the, you, the there's war... There's important a, elements. There, there's a thing that happens there. <laughs> uh, Republic said, okay, fine, you can have your nine minutes. <laughs> It's also filmed in Technicolor. Yeah. You which, could tell. Which was a big deal at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Most of the studio's other color films were made in true color, mm -hmm. which was more economical, but, but it didn't look as good. It wasn't as nice. Yeah. A lot of Irish act actors in this one, because this mm -hmm. film does take place in Ireland. And, and they shot yeah. a lot of it in Ireland. All of the outdoor scenes were shot on location in County Mayo and County Galway. Inside scenes were in a film studio, obviously. Uh, the story set in a fictional community. There, There is a Lake Isle of Innisfree, which does exist. But it, it has nothing to do with this fictional town. Correct. Uh, the film also presents a depiction of an idealized Irish society with only implied social divisions based on class and differences in political or religious affiliations. Like Catholic versus Protestant. Because they were working together in most of this film. Mm -hmm. They were nice to each other. Right. Music-wise, which we will get to, uh, the uh, like Irish drinking songs, mm -hmm. actual Irish drinking songs. Well, one of them sounded like something yeah. from Beer Choir. Oh, they all sounded like Irish yep. drinking songs. <laughs> yeah, but they were like they're actual ones. When Maureen O'Hara died in 2015, she was 95. Wow. Her family said she listened to music from The Quiet Man during her final hours. Oh. Filmmaker George Romero, same thing. Wow. Hmm. So well, it had a profound impact. We've got some talking to do because we are looking at, first and foremostly, the cinematography of A Quiet Man. Because it won the award. Because it won the an Oscar. Academy Award for cinematography. And I wonder how in the 1950s, if there were movies shot on location with you know sweeping panoramas of lands that most people didn't get to. You'd, you'd imagine that there would be like westerns would mm -hmm. have check out this right. Utah. Right, mm -hmm. that's what I was thinking uh, too. Rio Grande, a little look up there, uh, was shot mm -hmm. on location in Utah and it was very hot and they were all wearing you know bulky period clothing. Sure. It wasn't like we have these days where you know Lord uh, of the Rings uh, yeah Lord of the Rings will go and film in New Zealand because it's cool and you get, and you get the cool. helicopter shots yeah because it's cool yeah this the, you had to get way more real and down to earth yeah at that time well there was the one shot where they he was he was walking no the two of them the pair were walking across the bridge yeah and the they, camera was nice keeping pan. them in the center of the frame mm -hmm. But slowly panning and moving the camera with them as they walked. And this is the before there are steady cams. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Before there's all kinds of rigging to move the camera, you know, carefully, quietly, slowly. Mm -hmm. It was very nice camera work. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Very near the beginning, there were a couple of just look, it's Ireland shots. Mm -hmm. And one of them made me shout out, holy crap, because it was just... Really, really picturesque. Mm -hmm. It's very green and beautiful. The guys running Rolling around with. finding places to photograph did a really good job. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Also of note, uh, most of the way through there's a flashback scene that's uh, a lot of close-up shots of people. And it was very simple, but every it, there were, it didn't need words. Mm -hmm. The organization of the shots and the camera angles and everything made it work very, very well. There were no words in that scene. Yeah. If you recall. Yep. There was, um, there was seems to me there were crowd noise kind yeah. of things, but mm -hmm. there were no, there was no dialogue. Mm -hmm. And it was very clear what was going on. It was like, like jumping well, camera shots going from first person to well third shot, person, yeah. and it still worked. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
And it's probably something that they didn't do a whole lot at the time. If I and it was very different from the rest of the movie. So yeah. it, it was very a, jarring. It was an extreme transition to almost a different life. Yeah, you know, and which, the ba- and the background I, was really like well. matte gray compared to everything else mm-hmm. that was at least a matte painting, if not actual background. Mm-hmm. So it, verdant, again, again, felt very well removed. So I, without seeing any other movies from this period, this one was very well shot, mm-hmm. and definitely mm-hmm. I could see a movie like this winning cinematography awards because. Well, well a it was probably very different. Yeah. And in that regard, then it makes it stand out even more. And then you go to some place like Ireland that's beautiful and green, and yeah. and most of us haven't been there. No. So then it's really that movie experience of an escape to a different place yeah. and a different time. Mm-hmm. I now the whole weirdness of John Wayne being in Ireland, where everyone else is Irish. I Wikipedia says this is one of the few movies, few Hollywood movies that actually has Gaelic in it. Mm. And it was not just every once in a while. There was an entire conversation without subtitles. We turned subtitles on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was yeah. just in Gaelic. Mm-hmm. That was pretty cool. Yeah. Well, we weren't... It was interesting because we could guess what they were saying. Yeah. yeah. I, but it... But it... Yes. We didn't know for certain. Yeah. So there's three other categories this time that we're paying attention to. The first, because this is our randomness yep. of this podcast. So we're not paying attention to just one thing and then we call the movie done. So the first one is the score. The music for the movie. What do we think of the music? Other than the uh, traditional Irish drinking songs, which felt very appropriate and mm-hmm. logical and necessary you know when you're in the pub and the guy's playing accordion and i think mm-hmm. he was actually playing the accordion uh, that those were really good and then sometimes they pick up on the themes of those songs and repeat them in the orchestral the orchestral part seemed usual to me mm-hmm. there were circumstances for instance where there was a a, a theme if you will for a mm-hmm. character mm-hmm. right you know when they were when he was angry and she mm-hmm. was off Having her Gaelic conversation, mm-hmm. there was a there was a piece of music and a theme around her in when she was on screen, mm-hmm. and a different theme when he was on screen. Right. That kind of stuff was pretty regular throughout the it was throughout the film. I think regular, but not not as recognizable as Peter and the Wolf. No, no. according to this, uh, the melody of the Isle of Innisfree is not written by the composer for the mm-hmm. film is written by the Irish policeman slash songwriter Richard Farrelly hmm. uh, and is the principal musical theme and reprised at least 11 times. Mm-hmm. Oh so, yeah, it was yeah. routinely in there, yeah. including the character humming it. Yeah. <laughs> well, true. true. Uh, so, it, the, the music was fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely back then there was not as much music as there is now. There, right. were def- there were serious periods where it was very quiet. Mm-hmm. It was appropriate, yeah, but it wasn't extraordinary. Yeah, it wasn't like now where when there's a a really silent part of a movie, it's very impactful because of how much noisy, was how much stuff is always in movies now. Right, right. Which we'll get to later, probably. Yeah, eventually. Uh, second one is best actress. Mm-hmm. Uh, for this one would be Miss O'Hara again. I what other how like she did fine right I think it I, was she, her character was believable mm-hmm. uh, she played a, a 
I think, a pretty good physical part. And it actually looked like she did her own stunts. Yeah. So, uh, some of them, for sure. I mean, she was, uh, yeah, some of those looked like uh, not very pleasant things, but it was, I, I felt like I believed in her character. Mm-hmm. She was in A Miracle on 34th Street. Mm-hmm. Uh, her first film with John Wayne was Rio Grande. But she was in a few more. Right, right. Such was her strong chemistry with Wayne that many assumed they were married or in a relationship. Hmm. Wow. She was in The Parent Trap. Huh? As the mom, I believe. Hmm. The original Parent Trap? In 1961. With, what's her name? Haley Mills? Yeah. With Haley Mills, yeah. With Haley Mills and Haley Mills. Right. Haley yeah. right. <laughs> Mills. <laughs> Funny. I think her character was believable. Oh, yeah. Her red hair looked red. It didn't look like they had dyed her hair to make her look Irish. Yes. She got an honorary Academy Award in 2014 when she was still alive. Wow. For, for just for her body of work. For, for her body of work. Being the last surviving, like, golden age of Hollywood person. Probably. Probably. Yeah. I, I think it was, you know, it, it didn't seem like it had the emotional depth of a, uh, you know, a stellar Oscar winning performance. Mm-hmm. I think it was believable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It, it didn't distract me from the story. You know, sometimes if you've got a an actor that's doing a job that you know, you're not sure if you believe them, mm-hmm. then it distracts from the storytelling. I kind of and I, didn't I have kind that. of feel that way whenever I see John Wayne. Where sure he's there and he's commanding, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. he always kind of feels like he's acting for the first time. Mm. I I've, don't know that I, I got that this time. I. Just kind of the way he delivers his lines, and he's just mm-hmm. kind of doing like this. You see, mm-hmm. it it feels like he's acting. He has not acted enough, and I don't know why. Because that's just his style. Well, especially when he's playing across from a woman that definitely she had more emotional. She has depth. more emotional range. She has more mm-hmm. definitely more vocal range. She's doing more like. With her body, just mm-hmm. moving her body around, mm-hmm. and John Wayne just kind of come here, girl. Well, but I think that here's here's a different thought. John Wayne in this film, he was playing a character that was holding it back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, throughout ninety four percent of the film, he was yeah. holding it way back, and then perhaps his own personal delivery style actually worked. Yeah. Because his 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 words and phrases are a little halting. Yeah, they seem a little mm-hmm. bit more. Thus, the name of the film, mm-hmm. The Quiet Man. You yeah. know, he was holding back. Yeah, but I think emotions. that it actually worked. I mean, and I back in the day, you would be contracted to a studio. Yeah, to you know, you had to turn out movies a certain number per mm-hmm. year, and you didn't really you didn't have an agent that could have their interns read the script for you and decide mm-hmm. if it's a script you should take or not. Yeah. Didn't have that now, luxury. John Wayne himself was not nominated for Best Actor. Uh, right. This this year was Gary Cooper, Marlon Brando, Kirk Douglas, Jose Ferrer, and Alec Guinness. So, you know. So, bit heavy hitters. <laughs> heavy hitters. Uh, O'Hara was not nominated for Best Actress either. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would be Shirley Booth, Joan Crawford, Bette Davis, Julie Betty Harris, Davis. Betty Davis, and Susan Hayward. Heavy hitters. Heavy hitters. Mm-hmm. Our last category is Best Supporting Actor. Now, are we going to pick one of the two? Because there were two that were pretty major mm. supports. Well, I would say that the guy with more screen time would have been the 
Micheline mm-hmm. O.J. Flynn mm-hmm. character, Mr. Fitzgerald. No. No? No. The one who was nominated. One of them was nominated? Is Victor McLaughlin. Mr. Brother? Squire Will Danner. Brother. He, huh. was, he was actually nominated. Huh. So well, he was, he was more key to the story. I think from he that was, perspective, I that probably sense. would fo- I would have looked more at the performance of mm-hmm. uh, the other guy, mm-hmm. who again already has an he has an Academy Award. Well, and he was also given credits like on the box, yeah. you know, movie poster. Yeah, Barry Fitzgerald, uh, born William Joseph Shields. Also, we did, we did not mention the real name of John Wayne, which is Marion Michael Morrison. That's his that. I think I knew. I think I knew that. I don't know why, but it was so far back in my memory, I wouldn't have pulled it out. No, I wouldn't have remember. Cobwebs. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, Barry Fitzgerald. What I, did he win uh, Academy Award? For? Going my way, nineteen forty-four. Wow. Hmm. Uh, but he was in uh, the Long Voyage Home in nineteen forty as well. But he's done a lot of stuff. That guy. A working actor. Working actor. Mm-hmm. But I, I think his role was more impactful to the story and I think more nuanced as a character whereas Mr. Dallaher was just kind of angry most of the time Mm -hmm. and kind of grumpy it didn't it didn't feel like he was we needed to worry about how well he was acting we were just like hey can you be upset yes all right go go from from moment one that's pretty much where his character was Mm -hmm. he was that kind of personality so I think that I don't know if either of them was good enough to be the best. No, I think they definitely made the movie better, both of them. Correct. Yeah, Wor- worst performances there definitely would have drawn it down. Uh, mm-hmm. It was this was not the John Wayne show necessarily. Right, right, right. right. But I think that if if there had been people, you know, that had been acting poorly, mm-hmm. that would have greatly distracted from the story. Mm-hmm. Uh, would you like to I uh, mention to everyone where you recognized Mildred Natwick from? Oh, she was Widow Tulane. Widow Tulane. Character. And I at first said, was she the Wicked Witch? And she was not. And she was, and Dan, of course, Mr. I'll look at that up for you, Mom. Uh, we didn't introduce ourselves. No, we didn't. We'll do that You're at right, the end. We we'll do that at the end, um, and then we'll do it at the beginning <laughs> next time. Um, she's not from the wizard, 1939 Wizard of Oz, but I did recognize her from... Uh, the Danny Kaye movie. Uh, now I just had a brain fart. Court Jester. Court, Court Jester. Jester, which is one of my all-time favorites, and I forced my children to watch it when they were younger, and so now they can all quote it. Yep. <laughs> and that, but that she was a, a a not necessarily a governess, but a lady in waiting. But she was also purported to be a a witch, a person who could cast spells. Yep. So I was on the right track with witch. Yep. So she's the famous person, the uh, the pellet with the poison is in the chalice from the palace. Yeah. Deliverer of those lines. Those of you who are... Who know that movie. Who know that movie. Otherwise, and if you don't if you know you don't, that movie, watch it. Go, yeah. go rent it from the <laughs> yeah. library. Go get it. Uh, the Reverend Playfair was Arthur Shields, mm-hmm. uh, younger brother of Barry Fitzgerald. Oh. Basically, <laughs> everyone in this film who is not John Wayne... Mm-hmm. Is Irish, including Maureen O'Hara, right? Thus the name. Born in Dublin, nice. Actually, like, like actually Irish, not mm-hmm. just Irish heritage. Wow. But 
We didn't talk anything about the plot, really. No, because you know what? These are movies that you perhaps will want to watch. Yeah, this one, uh, unfortunately, short notice, kind of short notice, and what with the library still being shut down, mm-hmm. uh, we could not get this one from the library, but it was at our local library and on Amazon. In fact, uh, every single one of these movies that I've researched has been available at the library. Mm-hmm. So if you want a relatively inexpensive, you know, interesting tour yeah. of film history, incredible. check it's, out your it's library. It's very non-offensive. It, mm-hmm. There's a bit of 1950s era treatment of women. Women, woman, go get me a sandwich. Yeah, there's, there, there's very much sandwich getting going on in this one. So if you're <laughs> extremely upset by what the way that the sure. world was, you know, 70 <laughs> years ago... Uh, we're sorry, but it's going to happen. <laughs> However, the woman in this film definitely, there's more to her than just give well, me a sandwich. Mm-hmm. She feels like she both is an equal partner in the relationship and also has kind of come to terms with the fact that, yeah, no, I'll get the sandwich. Right. Not like she's resigned to it, but like, no, I get the sandwich and then he goes out and he digs the garden. Mm-hmm. And that's the way the that's the way division the division of labor, of labor works, mm-hmm. and it's this is fine. I don't want to work in the garden anyways. <laughs> that kind of thing. So all in all, actually a decent movie. And he buys her a car. And he buys her a car. Well, it's a carriage, but a Shh, car. Don't tell the kids that. This movie is set in the twenties. It's, it's a carriage. <laughs> there is a car though. It's one horse. There is a car. There, there is a car near the end. The mm-hmm. bishop has a car. Well, he gets oh, picked up in a well, car. He gets picked up in a car. He's very fancy. Very right. fancy. They were trying to impress him. All right. Uh, we never introduced ourselves. I'm Daniel. I'm Carrie. I'm Patrick. And hopefully we'll be keeping up with this on a semi-regular schedule. That's right. Uh, tune in next week when we move on to the Academy Awards of 1954. And we will have a different movie, a different category, and a different thing to talk about. Because right. we're that random. We are. All right. Bye. Bye.